0: I interviewed every graduate so I knew every single one of them and we would take on about 15 or 20 a year. We built from the bottom and that that helps you with a culture. I never found making decisions difficult. The biggest mistake you can make as a leader is not making decisions.
1: Martin, thank you so much for joining us. Um, We love speaking to uh, elite performers in sport and business, and so it's a real privilege to be able to to have you on the show, so thanks very much for joining. Um, I'm just going to launch straight into the first question. Um, And of course, you founded Aberdeen Asset Management in 1983, um, went on this incredible journey, highs and lows, and uh, now chair of um, Revolut. Uh, How would you compare? what you would define success as, if you compared you today versus that founder in 1983?
0: Oh gosh, I'm much older, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> uh, and I, I I suppose I had to adapt really uh, quite a long, quite a lot during those uh, what, however many years I was CEO. Uh, um, I had to learn to Try not to make every decision myself and learn to delegate, and uh, and be able to delegate and trust people to to do to do the jobs that you would have normally done yourself. So when you first start, you do everything, and then and then as the company gets bigger, you need to be you need to take your hands off a lot of the stuff and learn to uh, and learn to trust people and uh, and by trusting not sort of uh, checking up on everything they do all the time but just trust them to get on with their job and you find out those you can trust and those you can't um yeah so i i, I don't know if that answers this specific question um i think there were there are huge downsides as well in in becoming bigger you become more corporate you become more Uh, you become slower at decision-making. Uh, so there are a lot of downsides. So uh, I'd look at Revolut at the moment and, um, I'm, I'm jealous really of, of them because they're back to what Aberdeen was in the, you know, when we first started. So, um, they're having fun, which is good, but they're tough. They're very tough. They're very different culturally than, than Aberdeen, but, uh, but, um, yeah, they've, they've got the, they've got this sort of quick decision making at the moment, which which you have when you first start.
1: Amazing. And can you remember the moment where you suddenly went, oh, I, I'm at breaking point here. I cannot do this all myself. I'm going to have to trust somebody here.
0: Yeah, it was probably in the 90s, uh, maybe 10 years after you first start. And I, I will say to people when they first start, I, I always encourage people to start in business. and. I was saying it's better to try and fail than never to try at all. Because too many of us too many of us don't try and you know, you don't want to be sitting the rest of your life thinking, God, I wish I'd I wish I'd I wish I'd given it a, a go. Because you can give it a go when you're young and you don't have that much to lose and there's plenty of time to recover and and uh, get on with get try something else. Um, so yeah, so I, I do remember clearly having to think I, I can't do this on my own and trusting people. And I was lucky; I was very lucky. We 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 were the same team really for about thirty years, which is astonishing. And they all grew up, and all became uh, were able to adapt to a bigger business. So Bill Ratry, who was the CFO, I mean, the first year. The first year we were there we turned over a couple of 100,000 pounds and by the end we were turning over 1.4 billion making 500 million pounds profit so so it was an incredible uh, incredible rise really from uh, from a town in the north of Scotland which has no financial uh, History of any size to uh, to base a global asset manager from here was uh, was was quite astonishing.
2: People often um, mention luck to us as a big kind of component as of how things transpire. And then when you kind of ask them to dig into it, it's not really based on luck at all. Kind of with that premise, with that team and that thirty-year journey, if you had to distill it down, what was it about that group of people? that made you stick together, that made you so clear on what you wanted to achieve and allowed you to do that?
0: Yeah, this this is gonna sound terrible, so I apologize in advance, but we were all from the same school. Okay. <laughs> Every single one of us. We weren't from the same age group. We were all from different uh, years in the, in the same school. It was astonishing, all five yeah. of us, four of five of us went to school together or went to the same school. We didn't go to school together. And uh, we were accountants and lawyers, so we were not what you would think is the uh, the, the, the sort of typical typical uh, management group. but then we diversified, you'll be pleased to know, to uh, globally, and we became a very, very diverse company. I mean, we employed people from I think 60, 70 different nationalities. In the end, and we'd no problem allowing people to run businesses globally. So the so the head of uh, Korea would be Korean, the head of Japan would be Japanese, the head of Australia would be Australian. Not that that's uh, hugely diverse. But going back to your point, luck. Yeah, I I think luck plays an enormous. Uh, an enormous amount in your personal careers and it can just be stupid things like meeting the right person at the right time okay so and that just gives you the opportunity so I was lucky I met the right person at the right time who was one of the three founders of Aberdeen I was the youngster and they were uh, both uh, older than me Uh, they both retired within 10 years of the of the business but meeting him was my stroke of luck but they were both lawyers and I was the accountant lawyer so to speak so I ran the business on a day-to-day and we all met all three of us managed the uh managed the money but but that stroke of luck and 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 also being born in Malaysia was the other real stroke of luck I had in life because because I was sent back to school in Aberdeen. So I was, I was one of uh, a very small group in, 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 in quite a big school, which were the boarding, guys in the boarding house, all from uh, Asia or uh, wherever in the world. And that taught me about Asia. So those were the two real strokes of luck I had, um, meeting my colleagues who invited me to join right at the beginning, and then, uh, and then seeing the advantages in Asia and capitalising on, on on Asian growth.
2: And what gave you the kind of confidence or the the um, the sense that you could do it? So you had that opportunity presented yeah. to you by meeting them. What what was it that made you think, "Yeah, okay, I'm going to just jump in here and do this"? Well, yeah.
0: well I, I've I've no fear of failure. It's a really interesting uh, attribute, which some of my colleagues would think is reckless and uh, and dangerous but I have absolutely no fear of failure. And um, I I would try anything, believing that I could could negotiate my way out of it or whatever. So I was always a big risk taker rather than, I always look at the upside rather than the downside. I mean, I don't ignore the downside, but I rely on colleagues more on the downside yeah. And then I would do the, uh, I would sort of do the strat- strategic upside or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, no fear of failure. It's frightening, isn't
2: it? <laughs> it? By saying that implies that that's maintained at that level throughout life. Has it? Has it changed? Yeah, I think it gets
0: worse. I think no. I think is you. It? I think you. Uh, you become more cautious as you as yeah. you get older. Definitely, which is why I think it's good that. That younger people run run businesses where there has where risk is a where you have to take some uh, risk. Fund managers, ironically, get better as they get older, but uh, traders get better get less good probably as they get older.
1: So often when we were working with organizations where we start working with them at that kind of inflection moment where they've suddenly got a whole bunch of funding or they've been taken over or or there's some kind of significant change. And the biggest challenge that they have is not the idea, not the market, not the product, not even making the stuff or or selling it. It's the culture and being able to adapt, uh, but not be so kind of rigid to, you know, this is what we stand for and we're not going to move, but also not just completely losing it. How did you guys deal with that transition?
0: We had two rules, one of which was we employed a lot of graduates. Um, or or uh, Actually, the term graduate scheme is actually a misnomer now because it's really an intern scheme because no graduate, usually at Aberdeen, no graduate had not been an intern the previous year or the previous two years or whatever it is. So. We we built from the bottom, and that that helps you with a culture. Um, and I interviewed every graduate as well, so I knew every single one of them. And we would take on about fifteen or twenty a year. So it was, um, and and the things we looked for there were were lack of arrogance. We didn't like arrogance. We didn't like. Uh, we wanted team players. We wanted. We wanted. We 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 uh, we took a lot of elite. Not a lot of elite sportsmen, but a few every year from from rowing or team sort of uh, team sort of sports. Um, so that that built the culture from the bottom. And then we, when we built company, when we acquired companies, we we folded it into our culture. Really, basically, we kept the people. We always kept the people, but they all fitted in really well and sort of adapted. The culture adapted over time as it as it needed to but it was one culture i mean there was there was one one culture and that tends to come from the top uh, to a large extent so yeah you've got to be the culture leader i think and and um, but but i'm i'm a great great advocate of building talent and uh, recruiting talent and promoting from within it's a failure if you have to go out with to uh, to recruit someone in my it w- was always my philosophy.
1: And do you see that happening in Revolut now? Is is that some something similar, or, or how are they getting yeah, around that challenge? Yeah, they do.
0: They've got a mixture there. They 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 tend to be. They tend to recruit because they're growing so fast, and to a certain extent, they need different uh, skill sets, such as mm. banking or whatever it might be. And banking in Singapore, for instance, you do need to recruit, but they do take on, um, they call them founders associates and uh, they're, um, they're talented youngsters who are brought in and work around the CEO and then he moves them into various positions. So it's a pretty good, yeah, they, they tend to do, uh, they tend to do pretty well as well. So it's a mixture, it's more a hybrid than than Aberdeen was. And Aberdeen was a hybrid, a mixture of acquisitions and and bringing in grads. So it was also really a hybrid as well.
1: Yeah. And throughout Aberdeen, you were a huge supporter of sport and specifically elite sport. And, you know, you sponsored the boat race and, you know, yachting and all sorts of different things. What was it that, um, that really kind of you got from that what was the the benefit and the value that you got from that association
0: yeah it was really I mean you've got to remember we came from um, a small town as I say in Scotland and we were trying to build a brand globally Uh, we had clients in 80 countries so we we looked at sports that that really would help our uh, brand building so for UK retail yeah you know, the boat race was big because you get 200 you know the crowd there is like 250,000 and the tv audience because it's on bbc is in the millions so it's a it's a pretty big brand builder and then we used golf uh a lot to uh because golf is a a global sport and we we tried to own the scottish open so uh, we made the we helped with the European tour build the Scottish Open and the Ladies Scottish Open. Interestingly, the Scottish, the men's Scottish Open would be more uh, tilted towards America, whereas the Ladies Scottish Open was tilted more towards Asia. So you would try and move the TV times to the men would be later in the day. You try and have the women as early in the day so you can get Korea and Japan, because obviously ladies golf is very much uh, is more popular in Asia yeah. than men's golf uh, for obvious reasons. They've got so many great players. So we would use that. Um, we used uh, Ben Ainsley, uh, the the America's Cup uh, in I think it was in Bermuda again. Yeah, you, you know you you do learn and and you get them to come in and speak to to you. And Ben Ainsley's been in all of these sort of people, and it's really interesting. I mean, he is he is undoubtedly one of the most driven individuals in the world, Ben Inslee. So, uh, you know, listening to someone like him is amazing for, 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 for our fund managers and, and our people. And they loved the, the cycling. The most popular one internally was cycling, right. um, which, was, uh, which was not so great for external, but internal buy-in cycling wow. is number one. And right.
2: What was it about that that resonated? With the the
0: participation because they can yeah. participate. It's uh, yeah. whereas the golf and the and we we do the we do. Um, I can't remember his first name. Read the uh, the wheelchair tennis guy. He's amazing yeah. as well. I mean, geez, there's some great sportsmen around when you when you start. And so so inspirational. But as I say, cycling was the the one that really, really people love the most because they, we we would arrange sort of cycle events with the staff and some of the pros. uh, I mean, I never participated. If I would taken my electric bike, I might've gone, but uh, (laughs) not, not, not in anything else.
1: In terms of instilling that leadership, uh, both the team, but also you know the the broader leadership within Aberdeen, what was it that um that really allowed that kind of empowerment that really sounds like you trusted people you gave people the the ability to kind of deliver and you know fulfill their skills and purpose and all that kind of stuff. How did you get that switch that everybody did that? There wasn't kind of pockets of um, you know little fiefdoms appearing and things like that
0: yeah, I suppose well. I suppose it depends. I mean, it was easy. I mean, I, I, I'm inherently lazy, so it's really easy. If you're inherently lazy, or find the easy way to do anything, you're you can delegate. In in my opinion, so uh, so that was that. So I found it easy. The people that can't do it, you had to find a way around it. So I'm 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 also a great believer in not firing people but covering up their weaknesses. So I had one colleague who was poor at uh, managing his team, exactly for the reason you're saying. He, He did everything himself, never imparted knowledge further down to his team who found it frustrating. So what I did there was we put in a very strong number two. So he was number one and his abilities, great external, great Great thinker, all of these sort of things. So you cover up someone's weaknesses rather than replace them. If you replace them, you just get a different set of weaknesses. So uh, you yes. know, yeah, so so you got to you got to work uh, you got to work with people to to uh, you got to work with people on their weaknesses basically rather than rather than go down the higher
1: and fire route. And to be able to create that, you obviously were able to create an environment in which it was okay for people to say, you know what, I'm pretty terrible at these areas and I need some help.
0: Yeah, yeah well, I would tell them they were pretty terrible <laughs> at this time. you got to use, I, I think humour is also a great thing in business. You've got to, if you, and I think you can take yourself too seriously. And uh, we used humour a lot as well. And uh, yeah, I mean... You know, if, if you dress up saying to someone, you've made a mistake with a bit of humor, it's easier to deal with it. than I mean, it, 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 it makes it less serious if you, fo- if you follow my logic. So, um, yeah, I would tell people, listen, for God's sake, you're useless. You know, could you just sort this out? And, uh, yeah, it was good. We had a good, we had a good, good morale in the team as well, yeah. which makes a big difference.
2: How did you um, balance that? Um, I guess in sport, it's that mix between individual athlete mentality, you know, very focused. You've got you know, Ben Ainsley as an example. I imagine golf, tennis being other ones. Versus that team sport mentality where you're very much trying to support and bring people up, all of you at the same yeah. level. What, how did you get that balance where I imagine you needed a bit of both, um, but certainly some star players?
0: Oh, well, no, we didn't. We didn't want any star players. We wanted just team players. We were really, really into the team thing. And anyone who was a star, we, they, they left. Or, and, and they never did that well after they left. It was interesting. I'm a firm believer that even good individual players play better in a team. but um, yeah. and, and, and it gives them the security as well. I mean, being a fund manager is a really tough existence because you're measured every day. And it's much better if you're in a team being measured every day, and teams slow down decision making and make it make it um, and mean you don't make as many mistakes. Fund management is about avoiding mistakes. I've always thought, uh, rather than blow, you know shooting the lights out, picking winners, just avoid the the, the write-offs, and you'll you'll do you'll do better than uh, better than average. So uh, we, we, we were all, all our fund managers worked in teams. None of them worked as individuals. And if they wanted to be an individual, as I say, they would leave. One or two did well. I mean, but you could count on a, the fingers of one hand how many of our uh, fund managers who left have done well outside
1: our sort of environment. That's remarkable. And going back to you for a moment, um, you know, Huge highs and lows, and you know you you had some really hairy moments at Aberdeen, and and yet we're able to kind of pull through it. One of the biggest things that we often see is that um, people going through that those kind of highs and lows, and the ones who are able to continually push the boundaries and continually be successful, is that they've got a pretty strong reason why they do it. You know, some kind of inner reason, higher purpose, whatever you call it, uh, a reason why makes it all worthwhile. Have you got a sense of that what why you're you're putting yourself through this and those around you?
0: yeah, I don't um although although I've no fear of failure i I can't tolerate failure either if you follow if you if you follow me so during the lows, which we we'd about two and a half years of real lows, i mean really, really um hairy sort of stuff, regulatory investigations, having to sell. Our best business in Aber- which was based in Aberdeen. All of these sort of things. I mean, they were all done to avoid the business failing. So um, yeah, I'd rather I, i'd I'd work as hard as necessary to avoid to avoid failure. So uh, and, and that sounds almost counterintuitive to having no fear of failure as well. But uh, but yeah, I, I think it's that just driven driven by. Growing a business, I enjoyed growing businesses, that's what I really enjoyed. Rather, I was never that motivated by money. I mean, we all got well paid, so I don't want to claim that we were underpaid or anything. But, uh, but um, yeah, it wasn't the money, it was the building of the business. Yeah.
2: And, and what is it that um, motivates you now? Is that the same thing? Is that being involved in yeah. things that yeah, are growing?
0: I love, I love building businesses, yeah. small, even small things, even small businesses I get enjoyment yeah. out of, like, I don't know, I own some restaurants and pubs and hotels and stuff. I get, I get enjoyment out of that. I've got farms. I get enjoyment out of that. So I love, I, lo- I just love business and building businesses and helping people and, and and I don't want to do it for myself as uh, solely for myself I I would only go into business now with people I would only go into business with people with other people I'm not I, I don't want to own 100% of a business I want to own 50% basically and I want someone else to own the other 50 and for them to do all the work, actually. That's the real reason. <laughs>
1: and, and what is it that you bring to that kind of party? What is it that, that you feel that, um, that really kind of gives value to, to, to make that company, that business, that organisation a success? I think confidence. I, I think, I, I think a, a lot of people, you'd be amazed
0: at how many people lack confidence. I mean, stuff that you would, I'm sure, take for granted, with 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 your career you'd be amazed on you would be absolutely amazed and all people want is a bit of reassurance often Mm. and and that's why it's easy i i never found making decisions difficult uh the biggest the biggest mistake you can make and as a leader is not making decisions is to freeze if you follow me and uh and then the, the then the business becomes it just doesn't do anything. And uh so I would make, people would come in. to I mean, I never had an office either. I always sat out on the floor with the fund managers. And people would come and see me and say, you know, this, uh, what do you think? I would say, what do you think? And they would say, and I'd say, yeah, that sounds fine. And that was a decision made. And often people just wanted that reassurance of decisions. So confidence, I, I think give people confidence and and then they they flourish if they have confidence as as you'll know in your sport better than than the most i mean confidence is everything i mean if you think in your in your sport confidence is important think about golf i mean golf it is absolutely unbelievable driver is is that confidence and not thinking of the downside not fearing that failure just going in being able to get up, go there, and 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 do what's necessary. So confidence, confidence is the key.
2: When you were kind of going through that two and a half years, when things were tough, what was it that gave you the confidence that you could get through that? And you were you were making the right decisions. It sounds like you didn't freeze and you continued. And so what? What was that for you
0: Oh I, I knew I could get us out of it, um, but I wasn't sure whether I'd be given the opportunity to get us out of it because one of the things that happens now is if if you make a mistake you you, you get fired pretty quickly and and often uh, the board and it was really interesting the the guy on the board who I thought would be the um, the, the weakest uh, would be my weakest supporter was the guy who actually said, "Listen, you got us into this mess. You can get us out of this mess," which is not strictly true. I didn't actually get us into the mess, but someone who worked. You know, he, at the end of the day, you're responsible for what happens. And that was Malcolm Rifkind, who was uh, who was a politician. And I thought, being a politician, he's gonna he's gonna be really worried about his uh, reputation. But he was great. And he he said to me, "You get us out of this." and uh and I did so, and um you know, we then went from strength to strength. we became a much better company. We learned our lessons, um, we never made the same mistake again, and uh when when the financial crisis came, I could see that it was just the same sort of stuff, so we didn't get caught in that, so yeah, I, I think learning your learning from your mistakes is the mm-hmm. but but getting through it was tough because you've a lot more knowledge than anyone else. And you're not, you can't impart a lot of that knowledge for various reasons, confidentiality or whatever. And I think that was the biggest thing, but we never lost a client. It was really amazing. We we kept every client and uh, it was still, I still look back on it and sort of think, my God,
2: I don't know how we,
0: uh, how we achieved that. And, um, but we were just open, we're open we talked to everyone we communicated that was the that was the key
1: and so what's next what what's the the next big exciting I just,
0: thing I, I just enjoy building businesses so yeah i'm i'm going to do something small i i, I don't want to go back into the big the big um the big company syndrome i mean i i began to hate the hate it at the end i'm not really suited for for big companies the the governance structures the uh Big companies spend all their time in meetings, and um, you, you, they should ban meetings and ban committees and uh, all of these sort of things because the amount of focus that goes into internal um, internal governance and these sort of things is just it just wastes so much energy uh, compared to what they could be doing on building building the business. So, and and, and it's great that uh, you know after we merged with Standard Life, I. I stayed a couple of years. I knew I knew I was only going to stay a couple of years. Uh, but the new CEO, he's got that energy and he's from the outside. So he can actually really, really um, do what's necessary to try and break down a lot of that governance.
1: And do you see um, yourself in him, um, you know, from
0: 1983? Yeah, yeah, no, I do. I mean, I, I've, I've known him for a... a yeah, no, I do. He's got he's got that drive and energy. He's got probably more drive and energy than I ever had. But he's brilliant, and uh, he's no, I'm, uh, I'm I, I think he's brilliant. He's really really good, and he's you know he started he started at British Steel, so it's great it's great to see someone come from that engineering background. I think he left school, went to Brit, Brit and then went to university, and then joined City, and he was number two in City globally. So um he's uh lives in Edinburgh which is how how he how the board persuaded him to take the job so now it's great to see uh see someone with that drive coming into the business
2: and with your um your theme of taking risks what would if we were to talk in 2 years and you would have done something that you would consider right now as a risk that would feel exciting for you what would that be
0: oh gosh i think i think you know i'm i'm focused on helping revolut Grow into this, I mean it could be this this company is is exceptional, it could be a global uh yeah I'll, i mean it i 'll see what I do in the asset management space i 'm really keen to to go to do something small in that space um, what else i don 't know i don 't know i 'd love to go skiing for a season now that way <laughs> that 's probably a risk. Uh, there's a lot I've got a lot to do uh, and um, yeah I've got a lot of sailing to do a lot of uh, skiing to do so um, yeah but I've got a lot of businesses to help as well so I just want to help I actually now all I want to do is help businesses uh, and give people the confidence to build their businesses and as I, I know I'm repeating myself here but confidence. If if only people in Scotland had more confidence, this country would be. Well, it is a world leader in entrepreneurs and so on. But the UK would be a superpower if we if we just stopped, stopped, stopped uh, applauding failure, so to speak, or getting so much satisfaction out of failure, uh, rather than sort of saying, God, what a what a great success story.
1: Well, that's pretty good to hear, uh, considering our business is uh, primarily built upon understanding and developing and enhancing confidence. So that's uh, it's uh, certainly gives me confidence <laughs> to, to yeah, hear well, that you that's your us, thing. Maybe,
0: yeah. You've had a spectacular, you've had a spectacular career. So you've just got to move on to the next one now. You've got to continually reinvent yourself. So yeah. uh, it's uh, no, I wish I was your young. I was, I wish I was as young as you. I mean, my God. You've got to be you careful. Say? You've got to be careful. You know, I, I saw I saw a quote by Mourinho and I, <clears throat> I love these footballers quote, these football elite sportsmen or elite coaches. He said uh, he said, today, I'm 50. Yesterday, I was 20. And, <laughs> I, and, and I think you've got to. It, you got, that's my other advice to you guys is. Jesus the years go fly by when you're uh, when you're busy and successful so yeah. you just got to you got to use you got to you got to use every
1: day to to achieve something Brilliant. Well, Anything? thank you so much. I'm going to, yeah, thanks, guys. I'm, I'm going to ask uh, Catherine just to kind of uh, pick out some of the key things that she's heard. But before I do, I always like asking this question at the end, which is as a result of having this conversation, what have you either re-remembered or um, realized or what are you going to do differently as a result of having this conversation? I
0: think, uh, I think, look, well, I mean, I think reinventing myself, uh, I, Having this conversation makes you realize you've reinvent you've you've got to can reinvent yourself during your uh, career, so to speak, and and learn different skill sets. And if you can't do that, I think also, you know, just speaking speaking to you and uh, speaking to the two of you on this, just the uh, the confidence angle, I think is it really sort of is, when you asked what what can I do for companies or, or people. And really, it comes down to just giving them confidence at the end of the day. And I I suspect a lot of what you do is that as well. It's just giving, just saying, yeah, give it, give it a go. And people, people just need reassurance that they're on the right
1: track to a certain extent. Well, thank you so much, Catherine.
2: Yeah, I guess building on that point, I think what I heard as well as the reassurance is actually belief. So you giving people belief that they can do it and helping them to generate that through ultimately practicing it so that they can believe in it themselves. And Mm. certainly that's what we've seen in sport and that the good coaches allow athletes to have that opportunity and and are there to offer them that belief. And certainly it sounds like the way that you did that through that team environment, I imagine in Aberdeen they were doing that for each other as well as you guys as lead in the leadership role modeling that. So um, I think that's a really important message around yeah. offering people no, I, that.
0: I agree. I remember about twenty years ago. I don't know how long ago it was. They were comparing two coaches of Scottish teams. They were comparing the swimming coach who took the team to Australia and the sevens coach, and it was Bill Gamble was doing it in his. I can't remember his. Word. And he said one gave the team all he did was give them confidence, and they had. I can't remember you you would know which year it was it's was probably before you were born you know the the commonwealth games in australia i can't remember when that was back.
1: 2006 i won a couple of gold medals there
0: did you well yeah. well that was i don't know who the coach was but bill yeah. gammel holds him out as a as a coach who just gave the team confidence and then the sevens coach he didn't have any he didn't impart any confidence in the The rugby sevens team. Oh well, there you go. Two gold medals. I played right into his hands there. I hope you
1: (laughs) tell you what. Give people belief. That's it. You've you've certainly uh, given me that. No, thank you so much. It's been a huge privilege and uh, delight to have you on.